0: Amen. Way to kick off the season. Amen. Yes. Amen. Well, uh, Merry, Christmas. Merry Christmas. We enter into this season in which we celebrate, and uh, I want to begin this morning. Let me share a, a scripture with you, and then I will um, I'll share some thoughts on some things that I know probably m- most of us are being confronted with. If you've got your Bible, open up to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. I will put those up. You can follow along with the sermon notes if you so desire. And let's look at verses 18 through 25. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When Joseph woke up from, or woke from sleeping, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word, and thank you, Lord, for the story in which it describes. Thank you for what you have done for us, Lord, that we could not do for ourselves. Yet you chose to do it for us. Even while we were bound up in our sin, you chose to come and to do what you did so that we might find you, that we might be found by you. And I thank you for this time today, Lord, and I pray that the words that come forth would bring life to people, that would calm their hearts, that, Lord God, would bring a peace that would pass all understanding. God, I pray that you would use this day to draw the, 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 the sinner to salvation, that would draw, Lord, those who are tied up in religiosity to the grace of our Savior. God, I thank you for this time, and I pray that you would, Lord, speak to each and every one of our hearts in the uh, entry of this season in which we celebrate Jesus. We thank you for that today, and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Every year, um, I get asked questions about things. And I I want you to know that when I get asked questions, I don't, I don't, I, I certainly don't dislike it. I, it makes me dig in. It makes me start to look at things that maybe I wouldn't have looked at before. And so today, what I want to do is I want to share with you something that I know comes to, you know, there are probably people in this place that are all dealing with the issue that I'm going to talk to you about today from different sides of the aisle. And some of you on this side of the aisle may be offended by the way in which I take, uh, you know, look at it from this side of the aisle. And some of you on this side of the aisle may be offended because of the way in which I look at it from this side of the aisle. But we have to look at something and look at it in, in the, from the realm of truth, one of the things that that I find that people do is people come into when they have are confronted with something or people have a, a question in their mind, especially when it comes to the things of God and to what God has said. You know, we're always coming to that place where the enemy brings us doubt into our minds. Has God really said? And we have, in the culture in which we live, preconceived ideas as to what we think about, has God really said? And today, in the day and age in which we live, we can go on the internet and we can find anything that we want to justify our feelings. We can find anything that will go along. Somebody that will twist scripture in such an eloquent way, as I said before, and make it sound like, well, this is the truth. Or, or we're drawn into something and we watch it and it has this place where we go, oh, wow, that sounds really true. Must be true. And that becomes our truth. And we don't look at things from any other angle anymore. And so we have to look at things to find the truth, which means sometimes we have to look at a side of things that we may not really like. But are we trying to manipulate the word of God to say what we want it to say or are we conforming ourselves to hear what the word of God truly says? That that must not have made sense because you guys are looking at me like deer in headlights. I think you're all afraid of what I'm going to talk about today. Oh my goodness. Is he going to step on our sacred toes? Oh my goodness. What's going to happen? Oh, no. The question that I got asked a couple weeks ago, let me, let me just share the question, because I have been asked this question over and over and over again. If you're on social media, then you have been a part of this whole struggle. The question I was asked is this. If Christmas is really a pagan holiday, why do we celebrate it? Now you're really nervous. Oh, man, is he going to come against our tree? just got done decorating the lights don't tell me I can't I was asked the question and I get asked that question all the time you know I grew up in a Catholic home and when I grew up we didn't really I didn't I wasn't I didn't grow up in a saved home I grew up in a religious home that really never knew I never knew about salvation I just knew about my you know what, what as a good Catholic what they believed and so I never knew about salvation. So I did not grow up in a saved home. I grew up in what would be a semi-religious home. And in that, we celebrated all of the aspects of Christmas. My mom and dad would take us out on Christmas Eve, and we'd look up into the sky, and you know they'd be, Oh, there's Santa! You know, they, all these things like that. And then and, and we, we went through all of that, all of the, the gift giving and the decorating. And it was a wonderful festive season. I cannot say that the way I grew up celebrating Christmas was something today that, you know, I, I can't look back on and have wonderful, fond memories of. I do. We loved Christmas. It was wonderful, but the one thing, even as an unsaved young man, the one thing that I knew was that Christmas, even though we had all these fun celebrations, Christmas was about the birth of Jesus Christ. Now, I knew that, and I knew that from the very beginning. There was never a time. My dad used to sit us down on Christmas Eve, and he would read the Christmas story to us, so I always knew that, and then I got saved. I got saved in 1988, and From that point on, listen, you know, Christmas took some turns and changes in the way in which we celebrated because for the first time, the birth of Jesus Christ had a much deeper meaning to me. But as the years went by, I started to hear all these rumblings and and see all these things that people were saying about Christmas being a pagan holiday. It's amazing that I had to become a Christian to hear that Christmas might have, a, uh, have pagan origins. And I'm sure that you're being inundated with some of those thoughts, those thoughts about lights and trees and Christmas and all of this stuff. I'm sure that you, like the, the people that have asked those questions, Those, you know, look, usually the people that are asking those questions are only the tip of the iceberg to the questions that everybody is having. And again, on social media, you're going to be bombarded with all sorts of things. So I want to take a look at. I, I don't know why God keeps taking me to these difficult places with these difficult subjects. Because you know what? I thought like a couple weeks back, I talked about the, you know, our worldview. I, that was a really hard message for me anyway to bring. And, and, but the responses that I got, and then as we were away, it's like... I, I'm going to take the month of January and we're going to press into more about worldview and how do we conform our worldview to the scriptures and learn how we can have an effect on our own worldview. I think it's vitally important and the response that I got from many of you tells me that this is necessary. But today, here we are. We're going to look at this. If Christmas is a pagan holiday, why do we celebrate it? And we're going to break that down into two questions. The first... Is Christmas a pagan holiday? Again, you got some people in their religiosities, in their their, their what they believe that the scriptures say, say, yeah. Others saying, absolutely not. Nothing about it is pagan. Is Christmas a pagan holiday? In church, let me just say because I spent, I was asked this question about three weeks ago, and I have spent the past three weeks going through every single blog, every single interview, every single sermon, every single, I mean, uh, uh, article. I have been reading and looking and researching all of these different things. I've been, I spent weeks going through every website I could find about this, on both the positive and the the negative. Is it those who believe that it's not pagan and those who believe that it is pagan? I wanted to look at both sides, and I have looked at it all, and my head is swirling. But I want to come down to sharing with you what I believe to be what we as a church, me as the pastor of the church, what I believe in regards to this whole celebration of Christmas. And is it pagan? And church, let me just say right off the bat, no, Christmas is not a pagan celebration. Okay, and I will explain why. Christmas for us as Christians is a remembrance. It's a time for us to remember and to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. That simply is what it is. And as Christians, we believe that. We believe that Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, he came into this world and he came into the human race through the body of a virgin girl named Mary in a stable in Bethlehem. And he came into this world for you and for me. And therefore, church, with the fulfillment of all of the prophecies, the fact that he truly was born of a virgin, that gives him the right. That gives him the ability. That causes him to deserve the title of Emmanuel. He is God with us. It says in verse 23, I just read that, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. But... I know, there's the, the famous but. But there are many who say, and there is some truth to it, that some of the Christmas traditions that we celebrate with have pagan origins. That some of those things do. And, and so the question is a legitimate question. It's not a question we should just blow off. It's a question, you know what, how do I answer this, and what do I look at? Now how do I, you know, in this Christmas season, can I feel good about celebrating it or not? Can I say Merry Christmas to people or not? Should I say that or not? Should, what, what do I do? How do I, should I turn the lights on outside or not? We should take a look at all of these things. And I'm going to make some points to you that, that I find to be what I have in all of my study and what the things that I read through and all the things I went through to be a balanced approach for us, a biblical approach for us. So while there are is truth to some of the celebrations and, and ways in which we celebrate having some pagan origins, the pagan origins of Christmas is, are far from certain. Look at, I, in all the study and all the research, you know what, there are so many holes in some of these uh, theories. There is so, there's so many things that are far from being certain. You, you just can't find a real, okay, this is pagan. Now, and that it relates then to Christmas. The idea that Christmas is a pagan holiday, it comes from the Roman Empire and it comes from the practice of celebrating what is called the winter solstice or the feast of Saturnalia. Now, the Feast of Saturnalia was a feast. It was to honor a a, a false god, and it was a, a celebration. It was a feasting time in which they celebrated, and the celebrations were held at the end of the year, which they held, honestly, they were held any time from late November to late December. Oftentimes, sometimes even coming as late as well, December 23rd. But as far as I could see and as far as I could find in, in any of the the reputable kinds of background or historical things it 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 wasn't something that happened on December the 25th it was something that happened at other times and in that times but it wasn't something that was celebrated on the 25th of December and so we do have this Roman practice that that people have used and tied to Christmas and it's understandable why they did that It, it it's very understandable but let me also now get to the other side of that, where we start taking at the Christian look of the celebration of Christmas. We find Christmas was celebrated all the way back into the, the very early, right around the year 200. Christmas started being celebrated. And in that celebration, what what... The reason in which often many say the reason in which Christmas was celebrated on December the 25th is because the time in which the angel Gabriel came to Mary and told Mary that you would conceive and you would have a child of the Holy Spirit and as a virgin that you would give birth to Emmanuel. The time that that was recorded as, as happening was in the Hebrew calendar on the 14th of Nisan. Well, the 14th of Nisan on our calendar comes out to be March 25th. Well, if she conceived on March the 25th, then it just makes sense that, well, we'll celebrate on December 25th, nine months later. That's why the celebration began in that time. That's why many Christians begun to celebrate around that time. And I know that there's a lot of arguments that, well, that couldn't have been the time because that's not when the census was taken. But if you read, you, you don't really even know. We don't know how many censuses were taken at that time. There, there were as many as, as three different censuses that were recorded during that time. And we don't really know which census it is that Luke's talking about. We also use the fact that, well, the shepherds were out in the field and oftentimes the shepherds aren't out in the field during that time, which is true. But, and and again, I'm not saying that this is the way it is. I'm just saying that, do you not think that it was possible that when God was bringing his son into the world for some weird unknown reason, God just caused things to happen in such a way that the shepherds happened to be out in the field that day? is that outside of God's ability to do? Yeah. No, I mean, it, th- it actually very much could make sense. Now, again, I'm not saying that that's what happened. I'm just saying that God certainly is able to do anything, and none of that is impossible. Let, let us face it. He brought his son born of a virgin. Amen. What else can he not do? Amen. Now, again, I- I'm, just, I'm just saying, I'm just throwing that out there, okay? I, I- you can do what you want with that. But the fact is, is that right around the 200s, that's when Christians started celebrating Christmas on December the 25th. What kind of confuses things, or you know, I guess what happened in that time was there came a Roman emperor named Constantine. Constantine became the emperor of Rome and some of these new Christians started to witness to him. And Constantine got radically saved. He gave his heart to Jesus Christ, and Constantine, I mean, he, he got born again. He got saved. Constantine becomes a Christian. And in the exuberance of Constantine, can't you imagine what was going on? We, you see through history that what he did was he set out to, to, to so-called Christianize the Roman Empire. He started taking all these different feasts and festivals and started wanting to bring Christian emphasis to all of these different things. Because he was radically born again, set on fire by the Holy Spirit. He was born again and wanting to celebrate with everybody. And so he's going about in his exuberance, and because he could. And he's declaring these Christian holidays on these holidays that people were celebrating other things. He, was, he started to celebrate, not in, in the Roman Empire, in those times from the 300s, in those ages, the Roman Empire, they didn't celebrate the winter solstice and they weren't celebrating the Feast of Saturnalia. They were celebrating the, the coming of Jesus Christ into the world. They were celebrating the incarnation because the emperor said so. But moving on, early church fathers, John Chrysostom, he said this, he wrote this in a sermon. in in the year, right around the year 400. And listen to this, what he says. Come, let us observe the feast. Truly wondrous is the whole chronicle of the nativity. For this day, talking about the day at the nativity, the day that Jesus Christ was born, for this day, the ancient slavery is ended, the devil confounded, the demons take to flight, the power of death is broke, paradise is unlocked, the curse is taken away, sin is removed from us, error driven out, truth has been brought back to us. Can we say anything but praise God? Let's, say, let's celebrate. This is what we celebrate, that God has done a miraculous thing. All we can say to that is, Merry Christmas. Emmanuel has come. And so this is why we celebrate. Now again, I will totally acknowledge that there are some of the Christian symbols, things like trees, the candles, that they do have some pagan meaning, and there are pagan usages to some of those things. But I also want to say when you start looking at and start studying that, these things, trees, candles, lights, they are so common in the, in the human experience, in the human uh, uh, experience of life. They are so common in the way in which they're used. Honestly, it's not a really, you can't really tie it all together with them simply having a pagan meaning. They have a lot of meanings and, and, and we'll talk a little bit about that here in a minute. The second point is this, that the meaning of words and symbols and customs is determined by the current usage, not by the origin. So words, uh, practices, oftentimes, they don't mean what they did in the very beginning. So let me just give you an example. The swastika. Do you know what the swastika stands for? The swastika has been around for thousands of years. Not just decades it was around for thousands of years. And the swastika is a symbol of prosperity and good fortune. That's what, that's what the original meaning was. Then the Nazi party hijacked the swastika because they wanted to emphasize in Germany that they were the party to bring prosperity and good fortune back to the people of Germany after they had struggled so much with World War I. And so he came in and he hijacked that. Can you imagine what kind of person today would decorate their house with swastikas because it means prosperity and good fortune. The original meaning, you know what? You put swastikas on your house and you know what? You're going to be in all sorts of trouble. Because the swastika to us today is the symbol of anti-Semitism. It is a symbol of evil. It has been totally and completely co-opted. It's been taken over by the Nazis. And the meaning that it had in the beginning no longer has the meaning in which it once did. What about, what about this one? What about Nike? What do you think of So you guys kind of got an idea of where I'm going, so only probably nine out of ten of you are thinking about the shoe company. Well, Nike, I'm thinking about this clothing and shoe company. Not very many of you, when I say Nike, are thinking about the Greek goddess of victory, which is what the company was named after. You know, I did a Google search of Nike, and you can't, you don't even find the goddess mentioned until the third page, and then it's only in reference to the name Nike being a shoe company. So it just doesn't mean what it used to mean. Look, when somebody, how many of you, I mean, there's probably some of you in this place today, you're wearing something that has a Nike swoosh on it. Probably somebody in here. Well, when you look at the Nike swoosh that somebody's wearing, do you think of the shoe company? You don't think of the Greek goddess. And you certainly, when somebody's wearing a pair of Nikes, you don't go, oh man, look at them, they're worshiping the God. (laughs) We, we We don't do that because again, some of those things have been, the meaning is just not what it used to be. Well, look, regardless of what some of those Christian symbols may have once meant, even if they did, their use today needs to be evaluated and looked at on the basis of what they mean today. Church, to automatically associate the lighting of candles or colored lights or decorating a tree to pagan worship is, is unjustified. It's not. You have a hard time making that link because if you look, you can find that candles and colored lights and decorating trees and using trees in different ways, there are a lot of Christian roots to some of those symbols as well. And they were used by, by Christians in ways to worship God. So you can find different roots for these different things if you look at it. But church, there are a lot of unbiblical practices in our Christmas celebrations. There are a lot of things in our Christmas celebrations that we do that are absolutely not just not, but they're unbiblical. Church, feasting, feasting is biblical. Gluttony is not. Okay, maybe, maybe as Christians we should take a look at that in how we celebrate throughout this entire season. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Drinking alcohol. There's, there's nothing, it's not forbidden in the Bible. Amen. Getting drunk is. Amen. Amen. And if your celebrations involve you getting drunk, then you should stop it because it's an unbiblical practice. Amen. Amen. Giving of gifts is biblical. Going into debt to give those gifts, giving beyond your means is not. Church robbing God by using his tithe to buy gifts. <laughs> Look, if you give gifts, if you're, if you're doing that, do it responsibly. Do it within your means. Do it without having to borrow or going to debt. And if you can't do it without that, then don't do it. Write a card. Write a note to somebody. But don't become Unbiblical. In the way in which we celebrate. Look, this whole place, the secular commu- uh, commercialism of Christmas, do whatever you need to do, but avoid that. Don't get sucked into the secular way in which we celebrate Christmas. Take a look at the celebration. And everything we do, from the, from the decorating to the, what we eat, to everything that we do, should center around Christ. It's his birthday. That's what we're celebrating. And so we should know. Do a look in that. It's good. Examine some of the things that you do. And don't just do it because this is what we've always done. Do the things that you do because this is what we want to, how we want to celebrate Jesus. This is how we want to do this. And make sure that you share that with your children and share it with your grandchildren. And let them know why you're decorating. Let them know why you're doing this. Let them know why you're doing the things that you do. Why are you having a big dinner? Why are you going to join the church on Lead the Way Christmas at 9 a.m. on Christmas morning. Let your kids know why we're going to do the things that we do. Examine those things that you do and make sure that you can really put put Christ in the center of what you do and don't do the things that you can't. Make some of those decisions. The next point is this, that when when cultures clash, whenever cultures clash, this is something that's been from the beginning of time. It's still happening. We still see it happening. Honestly, we see it happening through our southern border. When cultures clash, there is always an attempt to change and co-opt language and cultural symbols. It always happens. Any of you, I mean, if you've been around for any period of time in your life, you have seen this happen. You watched it happen through some of the wars that were our brave men and women fought in we saw that happen when cultures came together but i want you to see this you know what even though that does happen paul the apostle paul who wrote most of the epistles or all almost all the epistles but most of the new testament he had no problem co-opting a pagan altar so that he could spread the gospel In Paul's message to the Europagus, or speaking at the Europagus, Paul said this in Acts chapter 17. He said, men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. They were very religious because they were serving, they were worshiping, they were following after all of these false gods with all of these idols and and false uh, gods. Objects of worship and altars. And he said, for as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found an altar with this inscription, to the unknown God. And that was to the unknown God. That was an altar of worship to the unknown God. Not to the God that that we serve, but to an unknown God that they served. And Paul said to this unknown God, what therefore you worship is unknown, this I proclaim to you. Paul co-opted, he took hold of that that, that object of foreign worship and he used it to declare the gospel of Jesus Christ. So church, if what we know as Christmas originally started out as a pagan celebration then Christians have so successfully co-opted that celebration of Christmas that any self-respecting pagan would absolutely hate what we've done to their holiday. (laughs) Look, True Christmas celebrations, true, I mean, when we're really honoring Jesus Christ and centering him in everything, true Christmas celebrations are so completely the opposite of a pagan celebration that the two really, to try to link them is just unjustified. It's not. Again, Christians celebrating Christian celebrating Christmas are no more pagan than we we're meeting together on a Sunday to worship God. I mean, do you know what Sunday was named after? Sunday is the pagan day of the sun or getting together to have prayer meetings on wednesday wednesday is named after norse god are the uh, the norse god wooden they both have evil origins does that mean that the church is evil or that we are pagan in our worship because we're worshiping on those days The pagan names of the days have nothing to do with the fact that the church is coming together to worship and to celebrate Jesus Christ as the King of all kings and the Lord of lords. And neither do these ancient pagan winter festivals have anything, a real bearing of any kind on our Christian celebration of Christmas. Can't you just imagine, put yourself in this position. I was thinking about Constantine. Put yourself in the position that you're living in the second, you know, you're you're living in year 203. And you're looking around and everybody around you, they're just all celebrating this feast of are they're, they're, they're involved in the winter solstice and they're all just, you know, having this time together and they're all feasting and they're all giving gifts, which was part of their tradition. They're talking about, which again was part of the celebration was they were talking about freeing souls into immortality. The dawning of a golden new age. Can't you imagine some born again Christian looking at this whole thing and going, "Wow! This is an amazing opportunity. Like Paul, I'm going to I'm going to co-opt that altar to that unknown god. I'm going to what an amazing opportunity. You know what? I'm going to invite some people over and I'm going to begin to share with them during this time how they can come to know a God that has eternal life for them. That they can live forever in the forgiveness of their sins because of what Jesus Christ did for them. And I'm going to invite them over and I'm going to tell them not about the golden age, I'm going to tell them about the kingdom age. That the kingdom of God has come into this world and I'm going to buy them gifts and I'm going to give them gifts so that I can tell them about the indescribable gift that God gave to us through Jesus Christ our Lord. Church, look in that way of celebrating you know what the Christians did? You know what that does? It redeems what the enemy meant for evil. And church, our God my God is Redeemer. Look I was was a pagan in the origins of my birth. I was born, I was born a pagan, separated from God, separated because of my sin. I was a hopeless sinner, destined for a life serving in the kingdom of darkness, being led about by the prince of this world. And I was really good at doing exactly what he wanted me to do. I served him well. Yet God came in a moment, in 1988, God came into my dark pagan life and he brought light God came in to this dark pagan life and he redeemed me He came in, you know what he did? God brought light into my darkness. God brought life into my death. God forgave me of my sins. God calls me a son. And in that moment, I was born again. He made me a brand new creation. He came into my pagan origins and he gave me a new daddy. He gave me a new hope. He gave me a new future. He came in and he did that through the power of redemption, through his great redeeming power. And church, I celebrate that day. I celebrate it. I celebrate the day that that God brought light and redeemed this dark life by coming into it. September the 8th, 1988. Look, if I celebrate the time redemption came into this world, I think we should celebrate when redemption came into this world. Amen. 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 Amen? But with when it comes to cultural practices as Christians, we there's there's you know different ways in which we deal with it. Some people, when it comes to cultural practices, don't even give a thought about it. They just go ahead and participate in anything. It doesn't matter. Whatever. That's not wise. Okay, some Christians, it doesn't matter what it is. If it's of the culture, it, it, then it's pagan and, and I'm, we just, nothing to do with it. And what we do is we begin to you know, pull back into our Christian sect. And then there's those of us that finally we can, we can begin to carefully take a look at what these different cultural practices are. And we can prayerfully and being led by the Holy Spirit embrace what we can embrace and cut out of our life the thing that the Holy Spirit brings conviction to and begin to see God bringing redemption to the things that are worth saving. Look, Christians, we have been so successful in co-opting some cultural practices that there are things that, that are Christian practices that we don't even know what the origins of those practices were. And if the origins of Christmas are indeed pagan, then this is what happened. God co-opted them. He co-opted them for his glory, that God would be glorified through all of that. But let me also give you this warning, that just as Christians can co-opt and take those things of culture and Christianize them, so to speak, the the pagan culture also is wanting to do everything it can to co-opt what would be a Christian celebration. And look, we see that happening today. We see that happening on social media. We see that attack coming against this celebration of Christmas. Just think about it, church. What happens if we stop celebrating Christmas? What happens? It doesn't get celebrated. I mean, who's gonna celebrate? i also understand and i want to respect this that there are those of you and there are those of you that have friends that have different views on some of these things there are some of you that that are okay with trees and some of you that are not okay there are some of you that have have your strong beliefs in this or or that and let me just say that's okay I, I, let me read you the scripture it's not really about christmas but i think it pertains Romans chapter 14, verses five and six says this. One person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. To he, to he who who's, who's, has no conviction about eating meat, let him eat meat. And to the one who feels conviction about eating meat, then let him, let him abstain from that and let us respect each other in that. We, the church, the idea that the enemy has is to tear us apart. And if he can get half of us on this side believing that Christmas is a Christian celebration and half of us over here believing that it's nothing but a pagan celebration, he can divide the kingdom of God and a house divided will not stand. That is his plan. Stop trying to be everyone else's Holy Spirit and let the Holy Spirit deal with people in his own way. Let him minister his grace and goodness. Let him minister his conviction. Look, the Holy Spirit, from the last time I looked, he's God, and that means he doesn't need my help. He doesn't. So church, if you are an individual that feels some conviction in certain ways, or you're not comfortable about certain aspects of Christmas, then you should not follow after those cultures or cultural practices or Christian practices. You Don't do those things. But don't judge each other. Those of you who feel like celebrating or feel the, the, it, okay to celebrate... Don't look at those who don't and say, you know, what's wrong with them? And and on the other side, don't those who don't feel like they should celebrate look at those who do and think they're just a bunch of pagans. It's just the enemy's way of dividing the kingdom of God. So church, is Christmas a pagan celebration? From here, no. No. But, do we know why we celebrate? Do we know what we celebrate, though, all together? Because, again, Christians all over the world are celebrating Christmas because Christmas is the birth of Jesus Christ when he came into a stable, threw a virgin named Mary into a stable in Bethlehem. But let's face it, there are cultures all over the world that are celebrating Christmas with all sorts of different Christmas traditions. I mean, all sorts of different ways in which they celebrate. But let me say this. The, 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 the factor that ties us all together as Christians is this historical fact. And it is a historical fact that Jesus Christ was born. He was born to a virgin by the conception of the Holy Spirit and he was born at the fulfillment of the prophetic word in a stable in Bethlehem, the city of David. And that night when Jesus was born in that stable, the angel showed up to the shepherds out in the field. And he shows up to them and he says this, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Messiah, the Lord. Church, we celebrate because we have good news. We have the best news. And when you get good news, you celebrate. What did the father do when the prodigal son came home? This was good news. My son who was lost, he's now come home. Get the fatted calf out. We're having a party. We celebrate the good news, and good news is meant to be celebrated. That's why we celebrate. In fact, the angel said, this good news is such good news that it's going to cause great joy, not just for some people, it's going to cause great joy for all people. Church, this is a universal celebration, a celebration that would happen around the world because Jesus Christ was born. And we celebrate Jesus. The angel went on and he goes and he says, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. He is Lord. There's three really important titles there that the angel gives to Jesus. First, he says he is savior. And he is the savior. You know why the savior came? Because you needed to be saved. Because you couldn't do it without him. He he came, the Savior came to save us from our sin, to deliver us from sure death, to take us away from what would be eternal destination of hell. He came to save us. Verse 21, she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. He is Savior, church. Jesus is also Messiah. What is the Messiah? The Messiah is the Christ. The Messiah is the one who would the law and the prophets he is the one that would come in answer to every prophetic voice every prophetic utterance that had ever been given about the messiah about him was fulfilled in jesus christ showing that our god is faithful our god will do what our god has said he will do and he truly is who he says he is matthew 5 17 jesus said do not think that i have come to abolish the law or the prophets i've not he didn't come to abolish them he came to fulfill them. And he fulfilled every one of them as Messiah. And it also says that he is Lord. He is the Lord of all lords. He is the Lord of all. He is not just a Lord. He is the divine Lord. He is the God who entered into this world for you and for me. He is the Almighty that stepped away from the throne of grace and took upon himself flesh and entered into our human world. He came into this world so that God and man would be fused together with an indivisible, almighty, eternal bond. God is truly with us. He is Lord of all. Verse 23 Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Jesus Christ is God. Church, in celebrating Christmas, We celebrate the Savior. We celebrate the Savior because we needed to be saved. We couldn't do it on our own. There was no way for us to do it on our own. God knew that we couldn't do it on our own. And so he came into this world to deliver us from sin and to save us from ourselves. We celebrate him because he is the Messiah in whom him every promise is yes and amen through him to you and to me. We celebrate him as the Lord, the Lord of all lords who took upon himself flesh and humbly came into this world to be servant to each and every one of us because you and I needed that. He came for our sake. And so we celebrate that. We celebrate Christmas. We we celebrate Christmas with gift giving because God gave the most indescribable, best gift that's ever been given to mankind the gift of God Himself. We celebrate Christmas with lights because He is the light of the world, and that light has come. Listen, look, light is not something that's pagan. Light was the first thing God said let there be light. And Jesus is the light of the world, so we celebrate that way. We celebrate Christmas with, with, with Christmas carols and songs of worship. We, we lift up in joyful expressions the time here of season when we celebrate Jesus Christ because we do that just like Mary did, just like Zacharias did, just like Simeon did. They celebrated with song, and they celebrated in an expression of joy. In Christmas, we decorate evergreen trees with stars and angels and tinsel because eternal life was brought to you and me through Jesus Christ. And the stars, the angels, the beauty of all of that was associated with the birth of Jesus. Look, in celebrating Christmas, we celebrate the love of God, but we also celebrate the omnipotence of God. Church, listen, at Christmas... We celebrate God coming to us. At Easter, we celebrate God going back to the Father. Christmas is when we celebrate Jesus Christ coming into our world, coming into our darkness, coming into this place to rescue us. Easter is when we celebrate the fulfillment of that rescue plan where it opened the door for you and I to go back into relationship eternally with the Father. This is what we celebrate, the plan of God, Christmas, Easter. And we celebrate what he has done for us. Worship team, would you guys come on back up, please? I was reading and I I was reminded of this story. I'm sure that many of you, well, I shouldn't say that because there are a lot of you that aren't old enough to remember the story. I'm going to date myself here. Many of you remember back in 1987 when a little girl in Texas fell into a well. Her name was Jessica McClure and she fell into an eight-inch well and she fell 22 feet deep into the ground. And when they found out that she was there, they, the, the rescuers started right away to take action. I want you to see. The rescuers didn't stand up there at the top of that well and go, Jessica, you need to climb out. Jessica, don't worry about where you are. You're a good girl. No, they didn't do that. They didn't tell her to find her way out. They didn't tell her. No, they went down to where she was and got her. And they did whatever it took to get down to that place where she was. They didn't leave her there on her own. They did whatever it took to get from where they were to where she was. In church, in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve fell. Adam and Eve, and when they fell, they went down into darkness and they dragged each and every one of us, all of humanity, were dragged down into darkness and we were dragged into that place of death because of our sin. Every single one of us, we, with Adam and Eve, we fell into that hole. And what did God do? He didn't stand up there in heaven and go, hey, you guys need to do more good works. Hey, you need to find a way up here. They tried, Tower of Babel, and then, you know, God. He didn't stand up there and say, hey, don't worry about it. You're a good person. Church, what God did, he came down to where we were, and he got us. He came down to where we were. That's what Christmas is all about. God taking upon Himself the opportunity through Jesus Christ to come into this world and to rescue you and I because we could not find our way out. We were helplessly and hopelessly lost and bound and destined for death. And He took us from that place of sure death and He came and He delivered us. He rescued us. He came and got us. And that is what we celebrate. God looking down on a sinful planet looking at a whole world that was separated from him and destined in danger of death hell and the grave and the first thing he did right back in the garden was he begun to devise a plan he begun to devise a rescue plan to come and to get us because he knew that that was the only way that we would ever be saved and he tells us in John 3.16 for God so loved the world here's his plan for God so loved the world he gave his only son Son, so that whoever believes in Him would not perish but have eternal life. He did not leave us in our darkness. At Christmas, we celebrate the light coming to find us, coming to save us, and to show us the way back home. We celebrate Christmas because this is the time, Christmas that we celebrate the Rescuer that came, the Rescuer that came for you, the Rescuer that came to deliver mankind and to give us a hope and to give us a future. We were in a hopeless situation, but hope came into our hopelessness and shared hope with us, and therefore, we have the hope of the world, the hope of eternal life. He gave it to you and to me. Church, aren't you glad God didn't stay in heaven? but that he came to rescue you what a good God we serve what a good God we celebrate will you pray with me Lord God oh Lord in the name of Jesus in the name of our Savior our Lord Messiah Oh, God, I pray that grace would move into our lives and that, God, tonight, today, that we would receive what you have intended for this time. Oh, God, if there are any apart from you that don't know you, Lord, as Savior, that don't know you as the Messiah, that don't know you as Lord, that today, Lord, they would call out to you, Lord, in a joyful expression, receiving the gift of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. To receive the forgiveness of sin, not because we earn it, but because Jesus came to give it. Lord, I pray if there are any that are separated from you, that even right now, they would say, Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive my sins. Rescue me from this darkness I cannot escape. Let Him deliver you from guilt. Let him deliver you from condemnation. That's what he came to do. And maybe for some of you, God's speaking to you this morning about some of the different ways in which you might celebrate or not celebrate or places where Jesus has not been the center of this season and how you can put him into the center of this season. about this morning. Mark, as something that He has spoken to you. And do what He's telling you to do. In obedience to Him, we find the Prince of Peace.